When I was a long time ago, when I was 28 years old, but I'll never forget it, I was attending a seminar with other staff members that I worked with at Miamisburg Church of Christ in Miamisburg, Ohio. We were in downtown Dayton, and we were at this seminar, and the screen was way up front that he was putting his notes on for us to follow. And all the other guys in the row next to me were taking notes like crazy. And I said, hey, can you guys see that? They look like I'm another one. Sure, we can see it. It's just a big blur to me. I can't see anything. I can't see any words. The next day, of course, I go to the eye doctor and I find out for the first time in my life that I need glasses. A week went by, I went to pick up the glasses, and when I put them on, I was driving back to the office, it was like the whole world opened up. Ever been there? I mean, I could see the clouds. The leaves looked like they had form. I could read street signs. I could stop in time for a stoplight. It was absolutely crazy. My whole world changed from that day on. That's kind of my prayer for you this morning. It's a little bit different kind of a message. My prayer is that you, after hearing some of this, that God wants to share with us today and through his spirit, that his spirit would enlighten your eyes to what's around you, especially to people that you come in contact with every single day. Co-workers, places that you visit every day, people you run into over and over again. What if God, in a sense, gave us spiritual lenses by his Holy Spirit to realize those people need Jesus? That you just might, I might, you might, just be the one that brings Jesus into their lives. What if every day, every moment, we had those lenses on? You may recall, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us some marching instructions. The church usually refers to it as the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's there that Jesus gave us our purpose. He told the disciples, he shares with us, that their mission was to go into the world and make disciples. God's mission is global. But where does it start? How does it start? You and I were challenged to win the world to Jesus Christ one person at a time, one-on-one, one life at a time, life on life. That's how it takes place. And the best way to make that happen is to start right within the area in which you live. Your apartment complex, your street, your office, 
changing the world one life at a time, one relationship at a time with the people that live around you. One time Jesus asked this question. He says, what's the greatest commandment of all? And I love his answer because Jesus is basically going to summarize 613 Jewish laws down into two, just two. What's the greatest command? Mark 12, 30 and 31. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second, love your neighbor as who? As yourself. There's no command greater than these. So those are the two commandments that we focus on. And we learn that our neighbor may be someone that lives near to us, next door to us. Neighbor may be someone in the break room at work. It may be someone who goes to the fitness center that you go to. Maybe the person you deal with at the bank. Maybe the person where you get your morning coffee every single day. You see the same person. Those are our neighbors. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we do that? How do we carry this out? We'll call it a love thing, basically, since Valentine's Day is coming up on us. How do we make that happen? How do we love on our neighbors? I'm going to give you three questions to help you with this. First, who lives with you? Who lives with you? That's the first question we got to ask. Whether you live in a condo, a residential home, a short-term hotel, college dorm, apartment complex, the place where you live, we all live somewhere. Are the people that live around you believers in Jesus Christ? You may know them quite well. You may speak to them every day. But have you ever asked them, hey, do you know Jesus? Well, let me ask you another question. Do they know you know Jesus? We have to start there. Are they aware of the fact that you have a relationship with the Savior of the world? And have you asked them where they are? John chapter 1, verses 40 and 42. I love this passage because Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. As soon as Andrew meets Jesus, the very first thing he does is beats a path back home, says to his brother, hey, you got to come meet this guy. This is the Messiah. His first thought was to go immediately back to where he lived, to the person he was closest to, and let him know. You know, sometimes family are not the easiest to love, right? Anybody have a family member that's kind of tough to love? Sometimes they're the toughest to speak to, to speak into. Sometimes your best friends, the people that you work with, that you're closest to, are the hardest ones to speak into when it comes to sharing Jesus. I room with the same college roommate three out of four years. We also went to church camp growing up together. 
since we were age eight all the way through. More than that, I was the best man in his wedding. He was the best man in my wedding. We were close, knew pretty much everything about us. He was a pastor at that time back a few years ago, the same as I was. And we would attend conferences together. And I'd walk up to somebody, and I, I'd introduce them to him. And I'd say, this is such and such. He, he's my best friend. And you know, I, I, there's a whole lot of stuff I could tell you about him, but I won't. And they chuckle. And they say, why? I said, because he has a whole lot of stuff to tell on me that are worse than that. Right? And you'll notice I'm not going to give you his name. But we knew each other inside and out. But at times it was tough to share the deepest of deep. Another statement Jesus made before he ascended to heaven. It's found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is huge. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the what? Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Make sure you see the progression in the order. It starts in Jerusalem. Then it goes to Judea. Then it goes out from there. It starts right where you live. Right at home. It starts there. And the power, Acts 1 tells us it's the same power he talked about in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. The power is the Holy Spirit. It's not your power. It's not my power. It's only the Holy Spirit that allows us to have the guts, the courage, the motivation to begin to reach out for our Lord and Savior. Some of you may have prodigal children. You've prayed and you've prayed and you're hoping someday they'll come back to the faith. Some of you have prodigal spouses. You're here today. They're at home and you've done everything you could to try to encourage them to come to worship with you. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. Those emotions are deep because you care the most about those people because they're the closest to you. And sometimes it's easy to give up, lose hope spiritually for them. The closer they are to us in our minds, the more impossible it seems they're ever really going to give their lives over to the Lord. I hear it all the time. People say, Jeff, you know, I appreciate all that you're saying. You make some good points, but you don't know my dad. You don't know my spouse, my husband, my wife. You don't know my daughter. Oh, man, Jeff, if you knew my neighbor, there's no way. They'll never come to Jesus. Can I say to you encouragingly, please don't ever say that. Don't even think that. Andrew Murray said, beware in your prayers above everything of limiting God. Wow. Beware, beware in your prayers of everything, of limiting God. Here's a picture of a mean old man that is in heaven right now. If you see the resemblance, I'm starting to get his bags under my eyes. That's my granddad, Hugus. 
he worked as the vice president of Weirton Steel in Weirton, West Virginia. I was raised a river rat on the Ohio River pretty much in Steubenville, Ohio. But he was one of the higher ups in Weirton Steel. And they gave him a nickname. His nickname was Bulldog. Bulldog. And when he approached the section of the mill through the Coke plant where my dad worked, everyone would be saying, hey, here comes Bulldog. Here comes Bulldog. He wasn't the friendliest of guys at that time. In fact, he really want, didn't want anything to do with Jesus or the church. I remember it quite well. But there was one lady. I did her funeral a couple years ago. One lady by the name of Kathy Cool Taylor. And she was cool, all right? My grandma was faithful at church every Sunday. Choir, I mean, she was a saint of all saints that he was married to. And through the relationship that Kathy Cool Taylor had with my grandma, she knew about my grandfather, George Hugus. And she would show up at the house and bring him cookies. She'd joke with him. She'd razz him. He'd yell back at her. She'd just joke and play around, you know, tease him, bring cookies the next week. And gradually, and over a period of three or four years, Eventually, she earned his trust to talk to him about who Jesus was and a Savior that loved him, and he needed to change his ways. Then, in 1970, on a Sunday morning, Bulldog and I, he aged 62, myself aged nine, both accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we are immersed on the same day. Isn't that cool? True, true story in the depths of my heart. And he was different from that time on. He ended up leading a men's class for years, served at church camp. It was, it, I got chills because it was night and day. Bulldog to friendly dog, all right? I mean, who are we? Who are we to ever say a person at some point won't come face to face with Jesus Christ, no matter how hopeless we think they are? There are people in this very room who their family had given up, their neighbors had given up on them, but there was one person who didn't. One person who made an invitation one person who built a friendship, one person who reached out to them, one person who brought them cookies and invited them to try out a church, to check out Jesus. And they're here right now. It's time for us to put on some spiritual lenses, to stop seeing people as projects to complete or problems we need to solve Instead, we need to see people as people we need to serve, people we need to love, people who are made in the image of God that Jesus died for, the people that live with us. 
Second question, who lives near you? Who lives near you? Remember this. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would Some you of you have no mine? idea who that is. Could you be Zach, mine? you know who that is? It's okay. a neighborly day in this beautiful Years, I sat and watched him put on his sweater and put on his shoes and talk about his neighbors. All right? So the next question is, who's in your neighborhood? Who lives near you? Researchers say we have more relational connections than ever before and less in-depth relationships than we've ever had before. People have thousands of connections through Facebook, Instagram, social media, uh, how many of you on social media have like over a thousand friends? All right. Natalie does, all right? Mary does. There are people, we just have thousands of friends, people we're connected with, but we're not really close to. You see, something changed years ago, and I, I trace it back to something that happened in the 1980s. Some of you weren't even born yet. But the front porch swing was replaced by the backyard privacy fence during those times. I was just out at my son and daughter-in-law's for, to see our new three-month-old grandbaby in Arizona. And I was sitting in their backyard. And I said, has anybody ever figured out why Arizona started putting brick walls up around their yards? <laughs> you sit in the yard... And all you see are, I mean, miles and thousands of miles of brick walled in yards. Worse than we are today. But privacy fences evolved. And then a great invention we thought at the click of a button. Many of us have garage doors open. You just push a button. You're about to pull in your driveway. You push the button at the edge of the drive, and you get to pull close to it. You wave to your neighbor. You smile. You pull right in your garage, and before the car's off, you press the button again. Whew. Safe. Right? <laughs> Didn't need to talk to him. I'm safe in my house. Something changed. In our communities they, back then, they were different. And I know some people hate to hear, well, I used to walk four miles to school. This isn't one of those stories. But our communities were so much different. When I was being raised, we knew the names of 20 or 30 people on our street and in our neighborhood. Because we did life together. And you probably could have done the same thing in your neighborhood. Most families were one-car families. We had three TV channels. And I might show three TV channels. Video games, you know, Fortnite and all that really didn't happen. We had some video games. We had one of these. <laughs> Never played it. Play it. I mean, it's amazing. You just go back and forth. That's it. <laughs> we had neighborhood, neighborhood tournaments playing this video game. Greatest thing ever invented. But it forced you to play with people not connected in the mass internet world. Things are so much different. And because of that, you didn't hide in your home. You didn't lock yourself up in a room and put a blanket over your head with a Nintendo 
You went outside, played kick the can until the streetlights came on. You played kick. The neighbors were together. And now we become more reclusive in the safety and security of our homes. And I think we've got to overcome that as believers. We got to force the issue. One of the things that keeps me, at least I tell myself, from interacting with all my neighbors is I'm too busy. My agenda. Oh, really? That's not true. In your own mind, do a quick inventory of your street, your neighborhood, your apartment complex. How many names do you know of the people around you? How many do you know? How far could you go away from your house and know the names of the people who lived there? It's tough to get to know them if you don't know their names. I've noticed that today one of the most frightening mission fields is our own neighborhood. We have people who sign up to go to Mexico, to go to Haiti, Everybody wants to sign up, pack their suitcase, and go overseas on a mission trip, and they won't even, they don't even know their neighbors' names. I don't get that. No, I, I'm all for foreign mission trips. But what about our own neighborhood? Watch this video. Watch this. I guess it started one morning. I was sitting in church. I just a regular Sunday morning, and um, the pastor was talking about missions and long-term and commitment and all of these kinds of things, and I guess normally that would that would impact me a little bit, but this time it was, it was different somehow. It was like God was pounding on my chest, and I just got this huge smile on my face, and I was ready. I just started looking at my life and asking myself what would it look like for me to be on mission all the time and devote my life to that and become a missionary, I guess. I remember growing up in church that missionaries would come visit. I was just always captivated by their stories and I knew that there was a, a world that was so much bigger than my backyard and that there were people in that world who needed to hear about Jesus. And I just, I've always wanted to get out there and have the ability to, to tell people about Jesus and see that transform lives. I just kept hearing the same words, planting seeds, nurture, water, tend, person by person, life by life. Don't wait. You're ready. Just go. I felt like I was kind of waiting around, like, is this something that God would call me into? And, and when would that happen? Where would I go? What would it look like? And then all of a sudden, it was like this lightning bolt, like, there it is. There it is. It's, I mean, it seemed almost obvious.
Yeah, I just uh, gotta put this in there. Thanks. You wanna grab the top? All right. My name is Bradley Martin, and I am answering God's call to go. And I am a missionary. Eric Hoffer said it like this. It is easier to love humanity as a whole than to love one's neighbor. It becomes a matter of whether or not we're willing to invest in the people where we live. How can I become a better neighbor and reflect Jesus to them? The starting point is we have to connect with them. We have to connect with them. One of the easiest ways to do that is summer comes, do a backyard cookout and invite the whole neighborhood. No, you don't know them, but you'll meet them there. Your goal is not to preach Jesus to them at that time. Your goal is just to know them. Plant a tree with them if they need help. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to have, again, as we did last year, neighborhood Easter egg hunts. For the purpose of you all, you'll be given everything you need. Natalie will have that here, kits, with everything you need to have a neighborhood Easter egg hunt to invite kids to your yard. You can do this. It's not hard. Question one, who lives with you? Question two, who lives near you? Question three, who lives in you? This might be the most important. No, this is the most important question of all because this is where the power comes from. If you're going to love where you live, if you're going to invest in the people around you, you need to realize who lives in you. If you've committed yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him as the Savior of your life, he has moved into your heart. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What's that mean? Well, it means you're never alone. The odds are never stacked against you because the Holy Spirit will allow you and enable you and give you the power to overcome every temptation and every hurdle you face in this life. That's the power that we have. You may say, think, sitting there thinking this morning, you know, Jeff, this just isn't for me. I appreciate it all. I know what you're saying, but I'm not an outgoing person. I'm kind of, I am reclusive. I don't have much of a personality. I'm not real outgoing. I'm not, I don't have the gift of hospitality. I say, say what? You don't have to. By the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, he will give you everything you need. Romans 8, 11, Paul says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives where? In you. Understand, get this. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same exact spirit lives in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. That same power, we just don't tap into it. As I close, I'd be amiss if in this message, as we talk about our neighbors, that we didn't pray for our neighbors. And what's exciting is this message comes at the forefront 
And then in three weeks from now, on March 4th, we're going to enter into our Awaken initiative, prayer initiative. It'll go for four weeks. We've done this before. Basically what it is, is all of us picking 10 of our neighbors, 10 people we associate with, can be the person that serves you coffee each morning at the drive-thru, um, or it can be your neighbor next door, it can be a family member. If you can't come up with 10 names to pray for, contact the church office, we're going to give you 10 names. The goal is to pray, and we're doing with this with several other churches in Medina County. And the goal is for four weeks, beginning March 4th, to pray for as many people in Medina County as we possibly can. And there's a packet in the lobby. You can pick it up. It has all the information on how to do it. Um, there's also devotional material that you in Scripture every day that you can pray. It does everything for you to lead you into a time of prayer with God for those 10 people. So I encourage you to do that. And it'll be out in the lobby. She'll have that information uh, for you to do that. And as Greg plays here in the next few moments... I'm going to put it in your court. We're just going to enter into a time of silent prayer. Think about the people that you see. When I talked about your neighborhood, when I talked about people you come in contact with, who came to your mind? Get them in your mind, in your heart right now, and just spend a few moments right now, right here, praying for those people. I'm going to ask you to do that now. Just bow your heads. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask that you help us to see with your eyes, God, just like Jeff talked about. As if it's the first time that we're putting on glasses, God, and we can just see every detail through your lenses, through, through how you want us to see the world, how you want us to love our neighbors. God, we see this beautiful progression of life change that happens in an individual, in, in me, in you. And then we see how, how that can just expand and grow as we just talk about you with those around us and invite them, God, into the same life-changing relationship. God, help us to understand and to know deeply that through your power, there is no one who is unsavable, no one who is unlovable, no one who isn't worthy of a relationship and an eternity with you. God, we ask that you move in power in our neighborhoods, in our own lives, as we are ready, get ready to um, pray for people, God, and to talk to our neighbors. God, we ask that you soften hearts. We ask that you allow us to come into our neighborhoods and our families and our friendships with your love and looking like Jesus, God. 
Provide us with every opportunity. Strengthen us with your spirit. We cannot wait to see what you can do, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.